Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. So, lads, the Munster hurling snobs are gone very quiet. It's a 12 point average winning margin. Um, I think the Munster hurling championship is the most one sided in either code, hurling and football. So, they're going to have to stay very quiet. Hurling snobs are wanting. Munster hurling snobs are a different breed altogether. So it's all about um, the Leinster Championship now, JJ. Like, I mean, that's where the draws are happening. That's where the close, exciting games are happening. It's been some turnaround in one year. It's been huge, yeah. And that's down probably to the resurgence of Dublin there as well. Um, they're actually coming on leaps and bounds the last last um, six or eight months. And, and the guys now, the new management team over, they have to take huge credit for that there as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose the first game against Kilkenny, they were Dublin very unlucky now not, not to win that one. But the draw against Wexford really set it up there as well. And um, everyone, unfortunately, the back Carlo fairly well. Every team as well. But yeah, last next next Saturday night now is going to be huge. You know, what I mean? it's down to the last game. And one, there's one team out of four playing their next yeah. next Saturday night that won't go through. You know, so yeah. someone's going to play their last game in the championship now next next Saturday night. There's a lot of permutations. I'm going to hold them off for Wednesday yeah. show. We're not going to go through them too. Last time Kilkenny were beaten in Nolan Park. Jay. JJ, when? 70 years ago. Yeah, but do you know the, the actual date and by who? No, no, no. Brian, do you? No, 49 was it? Yeah, 1949, well done. Cheddar Plunkett sent me a text last night. Leach beat them in the Leicester <laughs> final in 1949. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming, will you? <laughs> we should have had to get that an old mention on, on, on the show. Come here, talk to me, JJ, about this controversy at the end of the game because I was in Croke Park yesterday. I didn't actually see it, so I'm, I'm kind of going off the Sunday game yeah. and going off uh, Brian Cody, what he said. So two minutes of extra time, two, there was two minute, four minutes of extra time, but yeah. two minutes were taken up over a TJ yeah. Reid free. TJ Reid, yeah, he had a free, um, everyone thought it was a 21, because he got fouled, actually Colin Finley got fouled, and then he went on again, he got fouled closer to the 21 air line. So that and David Burke hit Richie Latty at under the hurl. Richie Latty went down, David Burke went into the line, lines, or the referee went in, called David Burke out, gave him a yellow card, went back and all the Kilkenny forwards were outside the 21 so once 21 yard free the forwards can go in there outside the 21 the forwards can go in there so the confusion there for another 30 or 40 seconds and then TJ took the, the, the free there was exactly two minutes between when the referee blew the whistle and TJ struck the free there right. as well and he only played he had four minutes injury time and that four minutes was in 35 minutes of play so he should have played a minimum of four minutes 
But in that four minutes, there's two minutes took up from that free, yeah. and he only played around 20 seconds over the, the fourth minute. Just about, because it was Connor Whelan yeah, kind of knocked it out of play, yeah, and maybe that made the hooked. ref's mind up for him, because Connor yeah, was well, like, if when it goes out, it's over. Yeah, but that's, it wasn't. That's if the ball was in play for the four minutes yeah, in the yeah, injury, exactly, injury time, but it wasn't. Exactly. The two minutes were gone, you know, so you feel very great. The way the Kenny were going at that particular time, you think they would have got another score with that as well, you yeah. know, so it's just a, it's a lot of confusion, but I don't, didn't think he had a great game overall anyway, to be honest with you, know, but that really kind of put the icing on the cake for the Kenny fans anyway to be fair Yeah Brian I know how you would treat this situation you would all walk out of the stands and you'd sit down in the middle of the pitch <laughs> <laughs> No we have form in that and it worked didn't it? We went down yeah. it did work yeah it did work were you sitting on the pitch were you sitting on the pitch in Croker by any chance? By God I was um, I was only 15 at the time and I remember um, a couple of people going out into the field and calling everyone out of the stand so it would have been the new Cusick stand at the time and everyone was kind of looking at them first going what are you at <laughs> but lo and behold the people started to trickle out and it became a flood and out into the field chanting and singing songs and it was brilliant but what I have to say that is actually poor old Kildare and Kerry I think it was were due to play in the under 21 All-Ireland B All-Ireland after the game um, so they were waiting in the tunnels in the old, old um, <laughs> Hogan stand side and they were ready to come out so a few I think some, I think the Kerry lads came out and um, I remember a few lads from Warclaw alone at the hurl and Slit Rothman were poking balls over the bars so to be able to tell everyone at home that they, they scored a point in Cove Park <laughs> but the same lads with the hurl or save their lives but they're ready to tell everyone the score so um, no a great day I remember that so fondly and it meant for a great summer obviously it's one of the best championships well we'll definitely say it was one of the best championships of all time in 98 yeah fairy tale stuff for a 15 year old there's no question of this being like there's nothing there's, you have to no, move on now because there's now, a game yeah. next weekend next weekend yeah yeah so it. look Amir if Kenny qualify next weekend there'd be nothing about it whatsoever yeah. like, you know what I mean but it could be a costly decision out near, near the end you know like, in with a way, the momentum you'd yeah, fancy Kilkenny in two yeah. minutes right two minutes yeah, yeah. They're, they're on the crest of the wave and they're going to attack and Gal were kind of sitting back defending their leader as well. They weren't going um, attacking their their lead as well. So yeah, it's frustrating from Kenny point of view now. But again, there's a lot of positive for Kenny there as well. They die with their boots on again. And one thing when you're playing Kenny now, and it's just, you should be proud looking at the guys now out there yesterday as well. When you're going to have to beat them 75, 76, 77 minutes, let's say coming at you, you're going to have to, you've got to win against Kenny, this Kenny team now, you'll you, you learn it. Yeah, no, you definitely will. They, they definitely have that. We'll talk about that. We're going to focus on that game in, in part two. But, like, I mean, Brian, I want to throw this one to you because there was a lot of cynicism from Galway and they were pulling Kilkenny down and trying to stop their comeback. And there was, like, let's be honest, there was black card offences. Now, I know hurling people are allergic to this because it has caused a lot of messing in Gaelic football and too much analysis about it. But at the same time, some sanction has to come in for cynical play towards the end of a game. Yeah, and we saw a lot of it from Galway. And actually, Robert Downey did it for Cork as well against Waterford um, the other night. He, a lad was going in by him and he, and he clipped his ankles with his hurling. We've seen that start to creep into the game now. It was done, what the Tipperary, I think, did it as well. So um, it's, it, it's it's not nice. And I know JJ will say from the other end, from he's down, you, you stop a goal at all costs. But um, it's becoming prevalent now at this stage. And I think there's going to have to be something done over it. Um, about it over the next probably season or two but Hurling people will be slow to bring in these sort of rules you'll, you'll definitely hear the likes of Brian Cody going absolutely crazy if they, if they even think about it as far as he's concerned we'll get rid of cards altogether <laughs> um, but but you know it's the cynical things I think is, is, is the things that are really there's no you'll gladly take your yellow card and, and move on like and you know sure he's no choice but to tap the ball over the bar and that you're stopping clear goals goal scoring opportunities I don't know and if we don't introduce a card I think there should be probably more of a punishment that maybe it's a um, if it's a professional foul for want of a better term that it's automatic penalty or something like that I don't know Yeah I think that's because Billy Ryan was pulled down by Porrick Mannion yeah, yeah. Um, and TJ Reid was pulled down and then um, Hart tripped Aylward which ended up getting Aylward mm. sent off because he reacted to it a trip should be that's cynical too he couldn't yeah. rejoin the play like I mean I don't I think maybe see referees are struggling to determine what's cynical yeah. professional and what's not that's the problem in Gaelic football the actual principle of the, the punishment is right it's right? really them probably the worst 
one, well, the best one from a Galway point of view was Parig Mannion. He just held on to Billy Ryan's hand because Parig Welch was free on the 14, 10 yards out. And if Billy had got his hand free, he would just hand pass it and Parig had a goal chance. And yeah. he would have, you'd have fancied his chances of 14 yards out one on one, he would have scored it too, you know. So from a Galway point of view, absolutely brilliant. For, you'd be patting Parig Mannion on the back for doing it, you know. But again, yeah, is it, it's a yellow card, but is it that punishment enough for it I, I don't think it is to be honest with you you know what I mean again what Brian's saying would be 100% right if it's a goal scoring opportunity and you take someone down um, cynically like that you should have an opportunity to take the shot at the goal with the yellow card there as well like, yeah. you know, but how you bring that in and how you sanction it is it inside the 21 when you bring someone down will it be a penalty then alright you know what I mean? but then again the situation Billy Ryan was outside the 21 yesterday as well like so it's it's very very hard to it determine, is. but it's it, a know. conversation that needs to start, it does, it does, right? Because yeah. instead re- of just there's saying, no, there's nothing there for the referee to, no. to go against at the moment. No. Just give yellow card. That's it. Free yellow card. Letter of the law. Referee's doing the right thing. But again, if you were again the Kilkenny's point of view, we had a goal scoring opportunity. We got a point out. Fair enough. All right, but we had a goal scoring opportunity. A goal at that point and that that situation in the game would have been a huge score for Kilkenny. Yeah, the, the the red cards were interesting enough. Like I mean, I thought Paul Murphy probably had to go for the persistent foul. Yeah, and like yeah. I know he couldn't really have gotten out of the way, but he did wrap the hands around, you know. And like I think Concanon really played for it now as well. He bounced back off him to he make did, it look yeah, worse. Yeah. I think the referee, in fairness to me, said that that's five fouls. You could see you could see um, his lips end with five right. fouls. He fouled Conor Whelan over the line there as well, probably around ten minutes before that, probably in the referee's mind. Um, probably persistent fouling was that itself wasn't the yellow card but that with the three or four other fouls that he made I'd say probably made up the referee's yeah. mind for him you he, know, de- so. he deserved to go Aylward is the one of the most sympathy on uh, Brian because I, this is bullshit really from referees and it's the laziest thing you'll ever yeah. see yeah. and two lads go wrestling they both get yellow mm-hmm. cards like I, th- th- this is incredible so Aidan Hart or Hart uh, tripped him up Aylward just came back he did very little yeah. and Hart Hart initiated the grip and they were wrestling then and then they get two yellows that was a yellow for Hart not for Aylward mm. now how can a referee justify giving two yellows the easiest thing in the world is to get your man on a yellow card in Gaelic games because I've done it plenty of times I remember in matches one especially it was Mark and Keane O'Sullivan and I remember Alan Brogan telling me you've, you've no chance on this lad he's too fast and yeah. I got into my head well I'll get the two of us on a yellow early and at least he'll be under pressure yeah. now it did me no good but like Keno Sullivan's a, a gentleman and I acted the, the tramp with him <laughs> and I got him on a yellow after 10 minutes Keno Sullivan didn't want any part of the wrestling <laughs> but I got, no him, I got him on the ground and we wrestled and we both got a yellow yeah. it's just so wrong Brian isn't it like I mean and how often it happens <laughs> Oh, I've been on the tail end of that more times as well. Um, you know, the, the stuff off the ball. And you're dead right, though, as a forward. Sometimes that's the only way you can protect yourself, too, is to try and get um, get your, your back on. Just grab them, go to the ground, to body, ground. make yeah. sure you don't touch their helmets in, in, in the current rule. And uh, both you, you'll get yellow cards and it should suit you. But then the flip side of it, I've seen it happen where, um, you know, if you're on a yellow, your marker will do absolutely everything he can to try and try and get you sent off to the last stage. Yeah. Um, I remember Shane O'Neill from Cork actually stamp, stamping on my toes and just got away with so subtly, but I got thick and kind of, I didn't hit him, but I just kind of kind of grabbed him and, next, and I was already on a yellow and I remember the ref, I was just being warned I was going to be sent off and I remember all you wanted to do was bore Shane O'Neill um, after he doing that <laughs> yeah. But there's nothing you could do like. Um, yeah. You had to keep your temper, but lads will do that and they'll push it to the last. So do you, do you, but you're right, go going back to the initial one, like Jarrell word, like, could you blame him? Because it was a real dirty one out of, out of heart. Like, you know, he just swept, swept the legs from under him and you, should, you couldn't blame Jarrell for getting taken in those situations. No, and but I would... In heart would have fouled him three times for argument's sake, right? He had the initial foul, he got up Jarrell and then he kicked him and then he wrestled him as well. How can three of the... Of, the fouls be the same punishment as one foul for Jerdon. Yeah, you know what I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. And then he gets punished again because that's his second yellow. Like it, Hart it, knew what he was doing. I think when he started holding Aylward, yeah. I think when, he I think come, Hart was when Jared came back, he was happy enough. Like, happy you know enough I mean? to yeah. get this yeah. going now. I'd say he was just happy enough that Jared didn't. Hart was on the ground. His last ditch was. Yeah. I'll trip him now. He's down. If he's not, he's going to go through, and you can never know what's going to happen. He'd have an overlap or something like that as well. But he had three fouls on Jared's one. Jared got yellow card. And then Hart got yellow card. It doesn't make sense. Like, no. you know, how can you do three things and have the same punishment as one thing for um, for Jerry? You know, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. What do we all agreed on? It was hard. To, people probably won't agree on Hanbury because anywhere on the field outside of a dangerous position, that's a yellow. It's not really yeah. a red, no, was it? No. It was a. That, I wouldn't have Jer- that ever as a red. Look at Jerry's reaction. He got up, 
straight away back up got the free yellow card everyone would have been happy I wouldn't say no I wouldn't say he was looking for a red card for that you know? no no I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say either so we'll move on from that what's going on with Clare Brian like I mean I can't believe they're even still in it if they beat Cork am I right in saying next week they'll beat Cork on the head on the head to head um, if Limerick beat Tip yes. and you fancy Limerick to beat Tip because you'd imagine Tip won't put out their, f- their full team they're in the final so you'd imagine if Clare beat Cork next week they're in they're true and they don't like how are they true they're absolute <laughs> shambles yeah they're a disaster and I'm getting it in the ear now from a lot of my mates because I tipped Clare to do well this year and thought they might be dark horses for All-Ireland so yeah. um, what do we know as pundits um, no but they're terrible they're, they're absolutely like I suppose they the seem leaderless as well. Um, they can't get Tony Kelly in the ball. It, it actually mirrors a lot of what's going on with Waterford. You know, obviously Tony Kelly, Austin Gleeson situation, the boys have a free role more or less. They don't know where they're supposed to be playing. They're not getting in the ball. Anytime they're touching it, they're, they're, they're too deep and they're not having any influence on the game whatsoever. Um, John Conlon's not at the same heights as he was at last year. Now he was more dangerous in the first half particularly in the first 15-20 minutes but still at the, at the same time Limerick he, he might have been winning ball and winning freeze but he never really looked like scoring either um, one point from play Peter Duggan in the first half he was the only one that made any sort of inroads and it's just it's a shambles being honest as you said that's that's probably the best way to, to describe it and like they, they look like um they're over reliant on a very structured approach, and they're, they're persistent with their with their puck out strategies and trying to work the ball through the lines, and then the odd time go along. And sometimes you just rather the the, the front it up. I know we keep coming back to this, but um, try and take on take on Limerick in some sort of a battle. But it's um because Limerick bullied them from start to finish. They absolutely bullied them, and they relished at the physical stakes. Right. It's it's weird because maybe it'll, stuff will come out during this week because Waterford took the same hammerings as Clare um, and they played a close match each. Yeah. And there's all loads of rumours coming out of Waterford. There's nothing coming out of Clare. There's mm. not the same level of crisis in Clare, but it's the exact same it's crisis. The same situation now, Barry. It's just they take harder a, to explain. But if they take a hammer now next weekend, it's the exact same day, had the exact same year as Waterford. Yeah. And you could argue the point in that Waterford game if... That went on another five minutes. Waterford came strong near the end. Yeah. And Morris Shannon was winning a lot of ball. They could actually bet him near the end as well. Like, you know what I mean? So they'd have to be very, very worried about what's going to happen Sunday as well. Like. But, but this is the interesting, like you can explain the Waterford thing away with a new manager, maybe new style and, you know, turnover of players and the brick isn't the player it used to be. But this is the same young group of Clare players, relatively young, and the same management. Yeah. So this is even more hard. This is a real head scratcher. It is, yeah. It's just... <laughs> I'd love to know what's going on in clear training ground. Like, you know, do they actually do tackling drills or, or in there? It doesn't seem to be physically up front. They didn't tackle Limerick just, their full, Limerick full back into was just walking it with ball after ball after ball. Then hit Declan Hannon. Declan Hannon hits Aaron Galander as well. They had a method of play and every one of them knows exactly what they're doing. Whereas, Flip side, Claire didn't really didn't look like they realised what was, what do we have to do to beat this, this Limerick team, you know? Right. And I expect in, a big response after last week but geez, they were very very poor they had a couple of goal chances to start you could say the, the kind of momentum went away from after that but as players you need to stand up there as well and Podge Collins need to stand up Aaron Shanner had a good he, he started but he was very very poor I expecting big things from him this summer again you know injury free there and hurling away for the last while but he was poor as well and it's just you're scratching your head wondering on, on paper yeah tick all the boxes these are great lads and they have been good hurlers but they don't actually put it together as a team you know so yeah. there's something big questions have to be asked there as well Our tip, Was Tipperary underperforming last year Brian were we overrating some of these Munster uh, teams do you know that like Tipperary mm. weren't anywhere near at their level la- last year you know realistically you'd be looking at Tipperary Limerick and Cork you know, yeah, maybe, maybe the chickens are coming home to roost a bit more now that Tipperary are the dominant force that really with the players they have, they should be. Yeah, and then go back to Ireland semi-final last year, like Galway were, like in, if, if you go back and analyse those games, Galway went about seven points to one up in, in the opening 20 minutes and missed a sitter of a goal chance. They could have been home and hosed against Clare that day and only for Clare brought back um, Colin Galvin as the sweeper they, they worked their way back into the game. But Galway were like, um, you know, they were on the ropes almost after the two games against Kilkenny and then the two games against um, against Clare. They just seemed a tired team towards the end of last year. You know, the, the two-year kind of after Windall Ireland, the, the league and, and all that, they just seemed very tired towards the end of last year. So maybe that kind of has given a false dawn to how good Clare actually are 
Um, and as you said, Tipperary obviously were, were, were very poor last year, very disjointed. And, and, and we've seen that their players were all over the place and even the, the way they structured their team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely disappointing. And, and you know, we, we've heard numerous times from Gerlach Nan and some of the biggest critics declare that Clare won a soft All-Ireland in 2013. Now, I know Dave will go mad with saying this. There's no such thing as a soft All-Ireland. But I suppose none of the big traditional teams were there that year. You know, ah, no, Cork, Cork were. Beaten, Tip were beaten. Yeah, but Cork were a very... Like, they were a surprise package that year. They were in dire straits. Jimmy Barry Murphy kind of came with a kind of a... We wouldn't even say like if you look at the team, we go back over the the structure of that team should have run straight through the centre numerous times. Like no, I I don't know. Like Dublin should have beaten Cork in the All Ireland semi final, going back that far as well. Like so, you know, Clare have never hit the heights of that at all. They've never they've never got anywhere even close to getting back. You know, to to that sort of level. Um, and it's disappointing for a team like of All Ireland winners. Like I know that they've lost a handful of players there, Brendan Bugler and and Pad Onnan and that, but. They still won huge amount underage, so they should have been able to, to fill the gaps um, pretty easily. But, you know, you see Anthony Daly come out then last week as well. He, he's very critical of, of the fact that they're over-reliant on, on structures and game plans and tactics. And, um, you know, it, it's a, becoming a crutch almost for certain teams. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. We'll see next week. You wouldn't have too much confidence with them, although they're home to Cork, which is incredible that they still have a chance and they win that head-to-head. Yeah, they're they, true they then. It could still be true, like, mm. which is unbelievable. So Leash are into the Joe McDonough Cup final, lads. They beat Kerry. They got uh, five goals um, against Kerry in the game. They were leading 3-11 to 1-11 at half-time. Um, they had eight different scores. Chad Dwyer got 1-3 from midfield Westmead look like they're back in the race now they beat um, Antrim 29 points to 21 so Leash play Westmead next and Leash are kind of in the same boat as Tipperary which is this is probably more of a question for um, the Thursday show is that like Leash are through Tipperary are through they play the team that they're most likely to play in the final mm. do you keep the run going do you keep confidence high or do you play your second string and go like this is all hindsight analysis yeah. really you have to wait to see the you outcome don't know. You, don't you don't know, know. you, you do never you? know until you actually you go play the game and you go play the actual final then and see how it goes really more than that but um yeah, I suppose. Look, they could say if they if they're trying up lads, they're going to try their squad as well. And if you're going to try your squad, you put, you might as well try it when you're actually fully qualified, and then bring back your your big guns in, and then it gives a bit of competition for place there as well. If guys do play well with that particular game, they can go play the final as well, and you know you're you're straightening your hand there as well. But I can't see um, couldn't see the point of playing your full strength team and your last game when you're when you're qualified already. To be honest with you, yeah, me neither. So like, without using the benefit of hindsight, the correct thing to do in this situation, Brian is to play your panel, right? I slightly disagree. I'd play, I'd play um, 10, 11, 12 of the, te- of the starting team and put in those players that are knocking on the door, right. um, give them opportunities because there's nothing worse. Like, like, we're probably all lucky that we were starting on teams regularly, but there's nothing worse when you're like trying to break onto a panel and next minute you're starting with three or four other guys in the defence or in the forwards and you're all trying to make the team you know whereas if you're if you're slotting in beside someone that's already on the team and you can you know say for instance current forward if you regular full forwards there beside you the regular centre forward the regular wing forward it's a lot easier to try and perform and show, put, put your hand up in those situations yeah. so I, I'd have a look at only only like you know three four players and then you can bring on a few players then as well and give them a bit of game time so I wouldn't make wholesale changes to the team I, I'd still try and go and win it and um Keep keep the main safe. If anyone has any sort of a nickel, I I'd make them rest and situate to that. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't go with a, a full new panel. I think when you're winning, keep winning, and um, keep other teams down. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. So there was a, a, an incredible stat from uh, Brendan Cummins last night in the Sunday game, right? So Limerick had seventy one passes, and thirty five were misplaced. Thirty five went astray. Half, right? So Limerick for me are the second best possession team in the country Cork are the best Cork are the best at that mm. uh, stick passes to hand so here we are now from a football snob so 71 <laughs> passes this is the second best possession um, based team in hurling and I'd never seen a stat like that because you never really know you know um, so they're they're poking half of them away yeah but who's picking Explain them up to me here JJ who's picking them up after they've very fair enough the half position has gone away Limerick, one Limerick doesn't get it but I'd say another Limerick has picking up straight away after you know, I didn't see many clear lads coming out too many rucks with that either to be honest with you, you know, Limerick right. 
I was surprised with that stat to be honest with you because I thought um, Limerick were very economical in the ball well, in, in 20, 30 are, yards yeah. you know yeah. and, and they're usually straight to hand now as well and you can take conditions into it a bit with a shower rain maybe before the game or something like that you can put that into account but I wouldn't say they lost a huge amount of second phase play if you want for argument's sake I'd say another Limerick lad the way they were, they were all over the field there yesterday so I'd say if one Limerick lad lost it I'd say the other the second guy picked it up I'd say I wouldn't say a clear like him out with it to be honest with you Right right so maybe that's the, so that's a ball that might break down and the Limerick man gets it and puts it over the bar would that be a misplaced pass Brian then on the stats? Yeah that's the that'd be my reading of it as well and I think in fairness Limerick they're, they're the masters of, of the second ball and um, I suppose most most teams that are dominant in any game it's it's the second ball that counts so much because um, you know it, you wouldn't think looking at that game it, 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 like I think we're all perplexed looking at that statistic you know yeah. 35 almost half that if they hit that many balls away and were so dominant I, I don't know it just seemed that Limerick had, had possession and, and way, way more possession than Clare and seemed to use it so so intelligently but it, it, it must have been that you know any of the longer strike balls might have been more 50-50 but you know eventually Limerick won that second phase as far as I'd be concerned Yeah it seems to be. I was going to suggest get a few football coaches in there lads to retain, <laughs> try and retain possession but like I mean we'll, we'll leave it there right we'll be back and we'll take a look at the Galway Kilkenny game can't touch this can't touch this a few weeks later they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park the same year can't touch this. and oh, they were being hockey but the camera went in there was a fellow warming up Jesus, you should see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was He was massive. Legs, ass, bit. But I burst out laughing watching him. <laughs> there he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know you can't touch this. Look at my eyes. Yes, yeah, so speaking of football men involved with hurling teams, Kieran Donaghy obviously is in with Galway and Galway beat Kilkenny 320 to 222 in what was an absolute classic by all accounts and kind of pissed me off looking at this in Croke Park when I was watching a terrible game with Leisha Mead and then a one sided game with Kildare and Dublin. Michal Donahue celebrated afterwards. Yeah. You don't often see him like that, JJ, no. and he said it was a great game to win. Like, I mean, we were talking last Thursday, Galway really needed this, yeah. you know, to spark yeah. into life. Do you think this will yeah. spark them into life? I say he was building them up over the last week and hoping for a performance. Now. And say, say, come four o'clock there last Sunday, he was absolutely delighted with, with himself. He made a jump after the final whistle now and wouldn't be like him at all. He's, he's high-fiving all the players as well. Huge, huge win for just a boost of confidence for all the players who are out there. And then all the narrative last week was you can't do without Joe and who's going to step up yeah. and I'm referring to Johnny Glynn came in centre forward and he won a mountain of ball and he just made himself awkward and, and he broke a lot of ball for, for Cotton Mannion now and, and Brian and Brian Cannon and um, Jason Finn these guys so he would be absolutely delighted now if he looks back in the game now he'll, he'll have a, a lot of areas he has to work on too now in regarding the defence but um, no, going forward I'd say he was delighted to get the win down in Kilkenny and he's a good record against Kilkenny Michal Dunne who has in fairness to him you yeah. know yeah he beat them twice last year didn't he like I mean he, he definitely did although the, the gap has closed probably um, this year from last year it looked like Galway were kind of streaking away a bit like I mean Kilkenny were only three points behind at half time having played against the win Brian so that would have been looking like a good position for them to have been in yeah but look we're, they're so reliant on TJ though now look don't get me wrong he's phenomenal and his performances are just getting better and better um you know, yesterday he was every time they needed him, he got got a big score, and his goals obviously were came at crucial times. Um, but you know, while, while they're having good performances and very wholehearted performances from every single player that's out there, they still probably need a little bit more up front. Um, you know, more players really, you know, putting their their shoulder to wheel. Colin Fenley puts in a massive, honest, you know, seventy minutes, but he's probably not hitting the same scoring heights that he would like to be hitting. Um, you know, Billy Ryan chipped in with a couple of points. Jarrell didn't really score enough for my, for my liking. Um, Richie Hogan came in. He's not again. He's not scoring as freely as he used to. So they definitely need more up front in terms of TJ. Walter Walsh obviously been a, a big loss. But as Jay just said earlier, there's one here guaranteed with Kilkenny at the moment is they are going to die with their boots on. They're they're never beaten. They stay going to literally to the final whistle and um, you know you have to give credit for that because if you could bottle that and, and, and sell it you'd be a millionaire because um, that's one thing that Cody has instilled in his, in his Kilkenny teams so I think that's why they were disappointed a couple of years ago that, that that seemed to be going out of them this new set of players but it's been fixed 
it's a huge threat to have for any team yeah. you know what I mean if you take that for the Waterford team clear team if that happened Galway would get on top of them they would have just won by 15, 20 25 points even yeah. for Agamemnon they just would have gave up completely but Kenny came back even with a man down he came back and again if we're talking about this the injury time phantom injury time if they had went on I'd say would have you go back to Kenny get the draw or even the win you know but um, no that's what Brian does he still is adding your play in, in anyone he gets he doesn't care if you score 10 points it doesn't make a difference if you don't chase the guy and the guy that epitomise that more than anyone is TJ Reid. TJ Reid scores 2-5 yeah, from definitely. play and the work rate he does is absolutely phenomenal. He's back down the field and as a supporter you're saying TJ, you don't go back down there and get someone else to chase him. You go back up in the forward yeah. but he goes back he gets a flick in. He's a brilliant tackler as well and he's just I think yesterday was the, the best exhibition that he gave in Kenny Short. He was just unbelievable. He was all over the field. No one could handle him. Each one of the Galway half back and tried to mark him. They might have got a couple of one ball or two ball off him, but like about TJ's, he works his game, he figures out what the defender's doing, and then he, he, he kind of counteracts that as well. They might win one or two off him, but to guarantee you won't mean three or four off, off in a row off TJ's as well. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Brilliant in the air. He's so quick on, on his feet there as well. Like, and he's brilliant to kind of evade a tackle. And if he does into a tackle, he's strong enough to kind of push the defender off, and then he goes on again. Like, he's just yeah. phenomenal yesterday. He's, uh, you're taking all your good stuff now for performance of the weekend. I have him well, well <laughs> separated out for that, JJ. Uh, but I thought Grode McInerney's defending for his second goal was terrible. He got caught completely ball watching on the wrong side of a, of a break. Like, I mean, that's poor defending. Brian? Yeah, I actually was more disappointed with John Hanbury's um, attempt at a challenge. I, he just ghosted by him. Now, it was brilliant from TJ that he fainted like he was going to hit it, and I would say majority of hurlers in Ireland would have struck for the first time, but uh, he put it back in the hurl and went through the challenge. Yeah. But like John Hanbury, like, like he just went straight by him, and John just pouted the hurl, and I thought, you know, he should have been, look, rugby tackling him, doing everything he could to try and take him down in that situation. Um, or at least putting his body on the line. Um, so I, I thought that was worse. I, I know they all got caught ball watching under the high ball. There was obviously no call there from a caller perspective. Two or three of them went up under the ball. But it just shows how elusive TJ is. He just, um, he, he's brilliant vision. He's brilliant anticipation. And then obviously that just, that like, it's, it's just, I don't know, that awareness to, that, you know, Hanbury was coming across and be able to put back on the hurl and, and, and make sure he got in space and, and rifled up into the top corner, but look, he's he's exceptional, and he's a he's um he's something you know. Jay's touching it there. His work rate is phenomenal as well. Even the first goal he got, he broke onto a ball around sixty five, and it eventually went into Colin Fenley. But he just kept moving, you know. So he he, he went from the sixty five all the way into the twenty one in just the blink of an eye, and that's how he loses his marker because he's obviously been marked so tight. Um, but he just never stops moving and never stops working and that's how he eventually shrugs them all off. So but look, he's obviously been watched extremely tight, he's been man marked and, and we see the same with Tony Kelly, we see the same with Austin Gleason. But I actually think what really helps him as opposed to the other two players is that he bases himself at centre forward and that's his you know, it there's where he starts and he moves from there. Um Whereas the other boys seem to have a, a license to go anywhere, and they don't have an actual position that you know when it's going wrong or you're not, it's not really kind of working out for me. You can just set yourself into your position for you know a minute or two, and you know and maybe just hurl your own area and, and try and work your way into into a game. Yeah, but um, TJ is exceptional. It's a big difference between TJ and like Tony Kelly now and Aston Gleeson. Now last season as much with Tony Kelly, the big thing you see is you put the ball. 70 yards down straight on top of TJ Reid nine times and he's going to win the own ball himself whereas Tony Kelly's relying on someone else to win the ball he comes around the loop maybe that's not his fault but their management are telling him to do that and he is to get someone else to win primary possession first and then hand pass out he'll score then but TJ just got to do it himself like, you know what I mean it's yeah. so easy for a goalie whereas TJ puck it out straight on top of him if you're under pressure where do you go straight to your main man straight to TJ like, and he wins the majority of his own ball anyway it's a huge thing to have in the uh, locker I was but really I actually think Tony Kelly wouldn't be too bad like he's not bad in the air it's just right. that they don't hit any ball on top of him and it's not told go and win your own ball it's, it's a different message completely right. you know like he, he wouldn't be you know as you know with Cody um, JJ you'd be told like win your own ball yeah. like that's your first, first foremost, foremost of, yeah. of, of, of any team like you know as far as I'm concerned like um, that's the same with us at home with the club you know win your own ball doesn't matter what height you are you, you go and you win it or at least if you're not winning it you're breaking it whereas Tony Kelly doesn't get those balls poked down on top of him that's not the message that's coming from him they're so reliant on their puck out strategies 
like they're they're over reliant. Like I, I, that drives me mad. It's a crutch, and I, I've said this numerous times. But I think it's that's really evident when you when you when you break it down. When I know you, there are, there are times you, you hit short pokeouts or or quick pokeouts, and of course that needs to be done at times. But there are other times where you just have to man up and win your own ball, or as I said, at least break it. Yeah, TJ won. I think Galway or Kilkenny won nine aerial balls through, during the game. Maybe that was from play. I just saw a stat, and he won seven. He won seven mm-hmm. of them, and that's on top of the two five from play and the two eleven in general. I think why TJ gets on ball, which Tony Kelly and Austin Gleeson don't, is because TJ works. And you can't mark someone who's working. Like you can't shat, you can't man mark someone who's tackling someone else. So you have yeah, to just kind yeah. of pull off him then. Whereas Tony Kelly and Austin Gleason drop back, hmm. but they're not working, so they're being marked. Yeah, that's you a know, TJ, TJ's yeah. working. And yeah, he, like, yeah. he I gets often, himself on the ball. Like. Yeah, because I mm. often remember Brian Dewar. I don't want to bring football into it again. Says, how's he always popping up in yeah. space all over the field? Like, I mean, why is he not being man marked? Because he's back doubling up tackling, yeah. and his man can't shadow him doing that. You just look like a fool. Yeah. You know. So like, I mean, that's how these lads. That's leadership maybe, as well, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's not relying on someone else to do it I'll, look I'll go do this myself I'll win the ball and then we're, as a team we're down the attack yeah. again and then TJ is free because yeah. his man's dropped off yeah. you know say I'm not going to mark a fella who's working or whatever the, Brennan Cummins showed last night on the Sunday game as well uh, the use of Galway using their extra man and this was criminal now from Callanan at the end where there's a, I think it was Joseph Cooney's clearly free they had a spare last man last minute of the game well that was the last minute of the off. game one I'd, if I was telling me goalkeeper Get it down the field as really? far as far as you. But he showed a few 40 examples. yards out was very. I know he was open, alright, but there was. But did a spare man? I know, but as a keeper, like you know, what I mean? you have to back yourself 100 percent there to, to get that to Joseph Cooney. That slips out of his hand or into that, he would be absolutely lambasted by every supporter right, in, in right. Galway. You know okay. what I mean? I'll take your point, maybe on the very last one, but there yeah. were other examples. Just the last one I'm talking about, right? Like yeah. here's the here's the thing, right? So what's your system? Like if that was Limerick, that's going to that spare man. The minute. Uh, Gerard Hegarty and Tom Morrissey and Kyle Hayes drop deep they get it or else like we always say what's the point in them dropping deep mm. you're only hitting it to men so then their halfback have to push up on them and have to do something about that and then you can give to your full forward line but without giving it to Hegarty and these lads and they always get the short pass when they drop deep but like God we had a spare man yesterday mm. and they're not making Kilkenny worry about this because they're not actually using him and I found, find that it's just tactically it's not good enough is it yeah they're just getting the ball up the field as quickly as they can really and look if you're hitting a high ball up the field it's, 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 it should be a box ball really to be fair like was, whereas Limerick they're all head high ball 20 or 30 yard passes down up through the lines down they can even go backwards as well they go forward to Garrett Hegarty or he might throw it back to Declan Hannon and then it's going over to the far side of the field like, yeah. you know, it, they're very very good usage of the ball whereas Galway just got it spare man but it's just a different up. style it's yeah. Just, it's, yeah it's a different style but it's more uh, Limerick one is more right we'll play to the forwards advantage whereas the Galway one yesterday was getting up the field and it's gone away from our goal it wasn't really to the forwards advantage to be honest with you yeah know. no it wasn't and Brian I don't know when they had a spare man for however long they had when between when Murphy got sent off like you would have thought that they would have maybe gone through the lines a bit more then yeah and uh, probably again getting confused between systems because against Wexford they probably were over um, playing the ball and went through the lines too much and didn't go direct enough so um, they seem to have changed their style because they were very direct when they had their six big forwards but I'd say with Johnny Glynn there yesterday they were probably more in the mind of that they're going to go direct um, and again that message that would probably come in from Michal Dunne who would have been to their forwards that they had to man up you know, going to Nolan Park, going against Kilkenny, the masters of of high ball that uh, the players had to start winning their own ball. So, you know, maybe that the messages just keep seeping through, and 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 you know, from a backs perspective, that they're just getting the ball and hitting it up the field. Um, yeah. So, look, there are times game management that they, they need to 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 actually smarten up on, but uh, at the same time, it's hugely positive from a golf perspective, which we didn't. I, well, I didn't see this coming. I, um, I think they have the players to do it, but I just didn't see enough against Wexford. I thought they were very poor against Wexford, but I was critical of not playing Johnny Glynn that day, and you know, especially in that game against Wexford where he destroyed them the year previous down in Wexford Park. Johnny Glynn makes them tick. You know, they've yeah. they've an out ball. They're able to go direct long one, low root one, and you know, he's had to bring other players into the game, and then couple that with Cotton Mannion, he just. 
playing outrageous. You know, like he's just don't he's go, different don't gravy. Go, don't go to don't go to town and Mannion. I've already <laughs> lost, I've already lost TJ Reid from my next section, so I'm not even going. I'm going to cut you off there now. <laughs> let's let's talk yeah. about let's talk about Adrian Tuhi then because. Like, yeah. I mean, he's not in my performance of the week. How did he do? I didn't see the game, Brian. He's playing, he's a cornerback. Yeah, he's no, a defender playing wing forward. Yeah, he popped up and he got a point and he had another couple of opportunities. He could have played David Birkin in the in the second half when, when um, Galway were, you know, on the, on the attack and he, he opted to shoot himself. David Burke was livid with him. But when I seen the team name, I was convinced Adrian Tootie and Joseph Cooney would swap. Um, yeah. I, 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 you look at that, but obviously Cooney is well used to playing in the, in the backs with his club with Sarsfields. Um, but Adrian Tootie, maybe it's, it's, it's a sign of the modern half forward that it's, it's you know, it's, it's about hard work and, and dropping back and, and um, helping out in your defence and then, you know, working the ball and, and trying to, you know, su- support your, your midfield then as well. So um, maybe, maybe there's, there's that's the thought of him actually playing there. And obviously you can go route one with him as well. He's very strong in the air. Um, you know, he, he's left-hander as well. So he, he's hard handling the air. So, you know, maybe maybe they're looking at those strengths from, from their half forwards. Right. So we say that worked. JJ, we'll continue uh, yeah, on with it that. Yeah, um, it definitely worked. Another look there next Saturday night on 100%, yeah, because he worked very hard in his legs as well, which is a big thing. You get him around the field. He's very, very See, quick. Canning is going to be next back next Saturday yeah, night, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's an option there, you know what I mean? You can't have all kind of... Um, it might not be him to lose out. Johnny Glynn could go full forward and Flynn or Concanning could lose could, out. Could, yeah. yeah. Now, um, Joe Canning back then, you would say, right, do we need Jason Flynn there because Joe will be taking a freeze there again, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there could be something like that there. But in regard to work rate and kind of working back to help his, his midfielder half-back, he did a lot of work there. And then he, got, he kind of got a couple of opportunities to shoot at the goal there as well, scored a couple of points and he did okay. I'd say, look, he'd done enough to get a start the next day now, but he loved himself to take it after that, you know. What, what about Joe Cooney then, um, wing back do you like him there yeah he's, he's he's very strong on a high ball if you hit a high ball and he'll, he'll win that all day you so know, that so. whole half back line Mannion, McInerney and Cooney you're not poking hot, long balls well, then, yeah three, then TJ won ball off lost, nearly the three yeah. I'd say you know that kind of way yeah. but then again you're looking at you're talking about a different breed when you're talking with TJ you know but yeah, um, yeah it'd be interesting to see I'd say he'll, he'll stay there now especially say Parnell Park next Saturday night it'll be tight field you'll need big men in around the half back line there as well so I'd say he will definitely start there next, next um, Saturday night yeah, yeah no against Dublin definitely what about Paul Sorry to go, go back on Adrian Tui for a second. Like you know, he he was back corner back because they had their problems in the full back line then as well. So I don't know. I'm not convinced. John Hambry's not been hurling at the height he was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so I still think they have their problems in their full back line. Johnny Cohen, you know, he he, he popped up. Obviously, he has played a corner back. You know, a few years ago, I I think they need to start out their their, their full back line a little bit more than. Um, than what's going on so maybe Adrian Tootie while he's going well up there I, you know I think they should they should try and tighten up at the back and, and make sure they're not conceding any scores because I think that's essentially I know a lot of it was TJ but if they're still leaving teams in the game I think generally they'll, they'll score enough down the other end Was uh, Paul Murphy defending for Conor Whelan's goal poor JJ like he's uh, on go, he's yeah. goal side of him Whelan pretty much runs over him. Yeah, you know, I'd say he was on the yellow card at that particular time. I'd say. He right. was on the yellow before that. And I'd say if he wasn't on the yellow before that, you would have seen the same tackle the, the second time. He'd have wrapped him up. He wrapped him up and, and, and dragged him down. Um, exact same as what Parry Mannion would have done. Like he held on to your man's yeah. arm. He didn't let him in. But he, Paul would have done the same thing. But there, he isn't would have goal on, there. there isn't a goal on there where Whelan has the ball in his hands. There shouldn't be a goal No, on. but yeah, Connor's so strong that he will take everyone on. He'll back himself all day long. Um He's just a nightmare to market. He'll just follow you to the end of the earth. Um, he's so strong, so skillful, and he's actually bringing a lot of accuracy back to his play there as well. Like you he's know, hit form, yeah. he has hit form again. Now, fairness, the last two games, he's been the main man up front there for Galway. You know, so um, huge thing. But yeah, no, I'd say Paul, if he wasn't on the yellow card the first one, he would have done the exact same thing, and he would have wrapped him up, took the free, took the yellow card, and moved on. Then again, it's you know, yeah, no, exactly. So to finish up here, Galway won eleven contested aerial balls. Um, Kilkenny nine. I was just saying. Uh, TJ won seven of those nine. Johnny Glynn scored or uh, caught four of the contested aerial balls. Joe Cooney two. Parik Mannion won a couple of each. But Johnny Glynn, like you said, Brian, all of a sudden, like Johnny Glynn's back in now. A uh, huge physical man who can also play. Like I mean, sometimes people forget how yeah, good he is yeah. as well. And then Joe, Joe Canning back, and all of a sudden now you have Mannion on fire. You have. You have uh, Connor Whelan on fire. You have a half back line that's big and imposing. 
and now all of a sudden Galway I know you can't every Monday <laughs> change your mind on teams <laughs> but at the same at the same time like like they're looking an awful lot stronger than they, they were two or three weeks ago Certainly and look we were critical of them after the Wexford game and we were saying we needed to see something and look yeah. essentially that's what we have we've seen it now we've seen green shoots from Sunday so maybe this was all part of the master plan for Michal Dunne who you know just go through the motions with that league because as you said numerous times that league was an absolute waste of time he just blooded players in um, not just him obviously all other teams and he, he looked at the first couple of games and said look you know that they'll beat Carlo um the Wexford game, they probably expected to win that at home, but they didn't perform, particularly in that second half. And it was all about this game. Kilkenny, this was going to be the, the, the real start of the championship from their perspective, coming to Nolan Park. And essentially, they, they got their win. And as you said, it looks an awful lot better now going forward. Um, you'd be a lot happier if you're a of people you know, waking up this morning and saying, do you know what? You know, this team aren't gone away and, and they're still in the hunt. Um you know, so the, 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 they they realise that this team has been on the road now a number of years because even before they won the All Ireland, you know they've been they've been knocking on the door for you know quite a couple of years. So it's not just year two or year three of Michal Dunahu. Like it's 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 about year five, year six for this particular team. So um, maybe Michal Dunahu has been trying to time it a little bit later for for this team. And and you know, uh, looking at yesterday, maybe he's right. Yeah, maybe. So what What uh, final word on Kenny JJ? So like, I mean, Killian Buckley has to come back in. James Meyer has to come back in. I don't, don't know if Conor Delaney's back re- uh, ready or not. He's no, off. He's not but there was a couple no. more. Well, Adrian Mullen went off at half time. He was disappointing mm. by the looks of things. Um, what can, what how, how can Kilkenny improve for the next year? Walter Walsh, how bad is he? Like, what, I think what? he rolled his ankle there last week now, so how close he's coming back, I'm not sure. But look, Mir, if he's 80 or 90% there, you're going to have to start him now come Saturday night because you're going to have to win this one. It's going to be a huge game down in Wexford Park Saturday night as well. Um, this point is James Mardigan can come on. I'd say he's probably closer to starting than maybe Killian Buckley because James only got injured there six weeks ago, whereas Killian didn't he played one game at the club there after the Carlo match but yeah. and I know he's trained away for the last couple of weeks since but very hard to get back up to that level like you know whereas at least James Marr had the league under his belt there as well and he had all that bank of, of heavy training under his belt there as well so you'd be hoping he'd come back in there um, but yeah it's look it's they know where, exactly where they are now at the moment they'll have to win Saturday night or else they're going to have to rely on results but knowing Brian he won't want to rely on anyone else he'll have to go down to the Wexford Park and win which they're having a great record there over the last couple of years no. and Davey has no. a, a kind of a hoodoo sign over him over the last while too you know so we know what Wexford are going to come with now so Kenya are going to have to kind of counteract that uh, sweeper system as well Yeah with that team that lined out against Galway I wouldn't be that confident down in Wexford Park yeah, well, I suppose. You'd want you, a few lads back. You'd want those few lads that we've called out back. But then again, JJ's smiling here now for a, on, for anyone who can see. On, Satur- <laughs> on Saturday, right? Everyone was saying that Kenny would beat Galway. Again, we're re- reacting to uh, no, I didn't a pint loss. I tip Galway. No, did and you? I'm yeah. not an expert here, lads. <laughs> you know more than the rest of us there, Willie. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I tip Galway because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, as I said, throw water back into it. And he takes a bit of pressure off TJ, and there's another outball for the for the goalkeeper there as well. So, um, look, it's going to be an intriguing game down there. It's going to be a huge game. Um, Wexford will, will will again. They won't lie down down in Wexford Park either. And after having a couple of couple of good wins under the belt there as well. So it's it's going it's going to be a good game down there. Yeah, I think Davy was in his box the last match down he there. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was down at that. He wouldn't talk to you, would he? Not? <laughs> no, he was well, in his box. I was glad he didn't see me down there. I didn't <laughs> want him coming gunning for me. Right, we'll come back with Parody Power <laughs> Performance the weekend. It won't include the TJ Reid. <laughs> My mother, Lord Mercenary, she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me holding live, but she always went to the matches to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one. And the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, Look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, Keep the head up. I said, Grand. No problem, man. Thanks. 96, back to the hotel again. First person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. He says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, man, will give it a fucking right?
Okay, lads. TJ Reid has been done. Two eleven, two five from play, and we've we've talked plenty enough about him. He's just he's a you phenom- can never talk enough. About no, him. He's, <laughs> he's just a phenomenon. He's a phenomenon. I'd say having like a little bit like Andy Moran. He's Andy Moran is playing a little bit longer than he should, but his full time job is in fitness and in, gym. in his gyms. I mm. say that's helping TJ a lot. He's practically. Uh, a professional athlete because I yeah. presume he's tipping away doing a lot of recovery in there JJ I'd and have doing, to be, yeah, yeah. you know you, like, I'd say that probably would it te- would I'd be using for him and yeah. he's probably educating himself a lot more regarding um, nutrition and whatever like that as well like, yeah. you know what I mean but even his um, well, his hurling yeah this physical is only one side yeah. his hurling is just on another level ah, it's on a different level all right. I don't think there's anyone in Ireland that will be able to hurl him at the moment to be honest with you the way he's, the way he's going he's just he's carrying he's done the same thing against Dublin and he's done the same thing against Galway the other day now he's Parag Manion probably one of the best half-backs out there on, on the field at the moment and he started on him didn't did have he? any answer for him no, right. no he didn't have any answer for him he just he got a point earlier on and once TG gets a point earlier on the confidence comes up and if you look at TJ, he probably scores more for Kenny than he does for Ballyhale, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing stat. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy the way they have to rise to the, the only thing I'll say, and I know this is for Thursday's show, but if there's one team that's able to upset TJ and Walter Walsh, it is Wexford and their style of play, because like, they really go man to man and they, their marker completely forget about the ball, you know, and because yeah. they have the sweeper. So that I think they're, they're the one team that really upset me. I think that's why Kilkenny have not made much inroads in against Wexford in the last couple of years. I think because of their sweeper system. So that that real tight marking where a defender literally does not even it doesn't even the ball doesn't even entertain them. You yeah. know. Well, Matthew O'Hanlon will be button heads of Walter Walsh. That's a guarantee, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'd imagine. So, Carl Mannion, there you can work away now, Brian. We're in performance <laughs> of the weekend. We're waiting for it. <laughs> We're waiting for it. What can you say? Um, I know. Look, honestly, this lad is is phenomenal, and he's carrying over the form from the league now. It's it's starting to come again now. He's getting used to his position at wing forward, like six seven points from play. He can score from anywhere. But the bit I can't get over with Carl Mannion is that he doesn't just like hit the ball over the bar. He absolutely drives it about forty yards past the past the post. Like he he knocked the ball out of the stadium a couple of times, and. Um, whether it's left or right, it's just so nonchalant in his strike. And, yeah. You know, he'll, he'll flick it over from 60 yards with just a flick of the wrist. It's, it's like, he's phenomenal when his radar's in like that. And obviously, he's great vision as well. Um, he's up there, when he's on form, like he's up there one of the best forward in the game. He, he's just class. He's, he is unmarkable. He's been unmarkable a while, but then mm-hmm. he might go in, into a game. He's not as consistent as the TJ Reid and these fellas, yeah. but like he is, he's mercurial. Like there's no marking him. No, when he's like, on form, there's no he marking got, him. Right? He got six in the first half and he set up one for Concan and he set up Flynn for another mm. one there's eight yeah, he's directly uh, directly involved with and he marked all three of the Kilkenny halfback yeah. line I think if you're going to mark um, Manny you have to go with him wherever he goes you can't give him you can't even give him five yards because his wrists are so good he'll take a step back and he can hit off the back foot there, as all good forwards can hit off the back foot and he'll always make the goal it's just all depend does he have the shot in target or not but you never see one of Manion's shots going into the keeper's hands because he's always as right. Brian said he's 30 or 40 yards over the net it's just the case of does he get it accurate or not and 8 times out of 10 he gets him over the bar you know what I mean yeah. it's, he's a phenomenal player and a great wrist is, is he up there the pint he got where so he, um, he underneath the stand where he fainted like he was going to hit the ball yeah. across the field on his yeah. right side and he just spun and it would I like that was just sheer class. I thought that was his point of his day. Now is he up there with bubbles for wrists? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Who, who else is in that very elite wrist category then? Patrick Horgan. Patrick Horgan. Yeah, yeah. The three yeah. of them are probably top three. TJ's there as well. Like, you know what I mean? I know we're talking about TJ again, but he's up there. The four of them now are probably the top. And would Joe Canning not have really good wrists? Like Joe would. Oh well. no, Joe Canning it would. Yeah. So yeah, as well, definitely. We're, we've got a top well, just, five just wrist, play, wristy like. hurlers. Cyril, we'll, we'll have Cyril Farrell sponsoring <laughs> yeah. this slot here. He'll have the final call. <laughs> we'll have to ask him. But, but Carl Mannion looks to me a little bit like Bubbles in that he doesn't look he, like he's even striking it. It's not like he's even, you know, as Brennan Cummins says, planting his feet and driving mm. it. He's just, he's, he's, natural, he's like. wristing it. He's yeah. flicking it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's class. Yeah. He hits the ball on the move as well. And on the move, yeah. doesn't need to be set. doesn't need to be balanced. Either That's right, it, yeah. right or left. He can, he can obviously make the goal. He can 60, 70 yards just of a, of a little flick that's all like, you know, yeah. it's brilliant but it goes against everything you're taught as a young lad because you're always te- teaching young lads to, you know hit the ball on the front foot and you know take your fuller but look I know myself I like I think you can score when when obviously you get to that level you can score an awful lot of points hitting it on the back foot kind of over your shoulder um, sometimes that's the only way you can lose your defender um, and like you know what I say Jay, from that perspective you're trying to lean in and block yeah, down yeah. Um, it's a really hard, hard way to block down obviously and yeah. you know you're 
it's it's very hard. But like it, you're just trying to. It's, sometimes the only way you can get your shot off. Um, the reason you're trying not allow players to do it when when they're young is that it's really really difficult to do, and it yeah. takes a hell of a lot of practice. And that's where your strong risks come in because if you don't do it properly, it just looks it looks poor. It'll drop short or it'll it'll waver out wide. But like if you, I think if you want to get to the top of your game, you do need to be able to actually pull that shot off. Yeah, well, look, I mean, Owen Kelly's the one that jumps to my mind. Yeah. I'm sure you've marked him, JJ. Yeah. Like, when Owen Kelly got the ball in his hands... Oh, you couldn't, you, you, you wouldn't were, get it off him. You, you were it was gone. A shot, it was a you shot were, off, It was yeah. a shot off, and yeah. if he was on form, you, there was actually no defending him. I yeah. remember when Owen Kelly'd get the ball in his hand, you say, here's a point. Yeah. Like, your power, marker's powerless because he's just throwing it back to where you can't block it and, and putting it over. I remember Hurling Fitzgibbon there and Paul Curran was full back and I was corner back and we were playing, I think he could be in LIT in one of Fitzgibbon games and Paul was saying like if you don't get a ball for Owen Kelly, like, he's the same club man, you're not going, he's going to score. <laughs> so the only way of, of marking Owen Kelly is get the ball first. Right. And that was coming from a guy that would have marked them all the way up through, through his career, you know what yeah. I mean? It kind of stuck to me all the way through. Because he was so he was physically strong too, he'd yeah. give you a little maybe no, he was, shot and <laughs> then he's gone out and then you're gone. And then he's gone off the back foot there as well. Off the back foot, yeah. See only pictures of Von Kelly taking a shot at the goal it's always on his back foot and he's leaning back but he always made the goal always yeah. made the goal and all record as well yeah okay brilliant so I put Conor McDonald into this lads he scored 1-4 um, from play and the reason I put him in it because Marie Crow did the report last night and she said in the report that Wexford showed a bit of variety and that they went route one a little mm. bit and Conor McDonald is a player I like and I would have always thought he, one of his main strengths is getting up and, and catching the ball yeah. and he got a lovely point from... from uh, hitting his right then, yeah. Hitting his right and catching a clean ball. Like, I, of, I often have said that Wexford don't get the best out of him in the system that they're in and maybe they are going to show a bit of variety and let him use his strengths like that. That ball down to the, down to the ground because it was uh, Carlo back coming... He was back and backwards and Connor was coming out. He just yeah. played the hurl, caught the ball and, and moved out to the right inside and hit the ball out of the bar, all in the one movement, you know. So, you yeah, he's very, very strong in the air. Do, no, because they're either playing down the, the wings or else they're running with the ball a lot. And that long ball, he kind of, the Carlo back caught, caught under the ball and Connor was just timed his run perfectly. So, your man, the Carlo back was just there for, for the taking really more than that. And then Connor went up because the, the guy that was marking Connor couldn't make it out in time. So, he's caught in between two Carlo backs, but he, he still won the ball in the air. He's very, very strong. Now, yeah, fair. no, he is very strong. Killian, he's, he's a master that. Sorry, come back for a second. He's a master that in club championship in Wexford as well. You know, you often see the snippets of the club championship down there, and he's scoring goal after goal in similar situations, high ball in or around the square, and he's really, really strong. And you're right, I agree with you, and you know this. I don't think they're getting anywhere near enough out of Conor McDonald and Rory O'Connor in that Wexford setup at the moment. Um, I know Davy came out after the game was saying that we were actually too attacking at times but um, again it's, it's it's very structured play I, I, I just think they'd be better suited playing a more not completely traditional but you know back towards a more traditional style and actually play three inside I, I think they actually have really good hurlers and I think they could they could rattle teams if they, if they change it up slightly Yeah but I even think change it up slightly for say for the first 20 minutes we'll play our usual last 50 minutes first half lads mm. you're pushing up and we're going to go along to Connor and leave the other team bloody yeah. guessing like was, I don't see enough of that I thought I always thought Davey was good at doing stuff yeah. like that but something like that you, you get 10-15 minutes out of uh, a tactic because people are not using before it before they figure it out before yeah. it's a pattern there as yeah. well and then, then management will come in and counteract it but yeah you're right 10-15 minutes before half time why not change it up well, and go for that yeah, yeah. Yeah. especially the first half as well like. yeah exactly um, Grode Hegarty lads he's a monster of a yeah. man isn't he Jesus he's great just player as well oh, yeah. brilliant phenomenal player yeah. skillful like, this year is probably you're only appreciating how skillful the, the guy is you know what I mean because last year you probably think Warcars scored a couple of points but actually from the league and going on he's, he's just he's touching his skill and he's just leaving half backs for dead now and he's scoring at will so he is at the moment yeah. and when he scored that point he came short for a short ball and got it and he made a run the whole length of the field mm. he short usually you see hurlers now this is me just looking at the outside you usually see the hurler shorten the hurl at the very last minute he shortened the hurl um, and soloed it maybe yeah. for the last 20 metres you knew what he was doing you knew exactly where the back was as yeah, well like, you yeah. know what I mean? and he turned out in front of him and, and hit the ball over the bar and kind of scooped it over the bar really more than that but he knew he had to do it because David Fitzgerald was straight on his tail but he knew he had to shorten it up and, and inflict it because game awareness again like. and yeah David Stirl's not slow and he just couldn't catch him either like no. No. Hegarty, the length of his strides I'd say I'd take about 10 strides to make up two of his I'd say yeah. it, would be, it would be like it, it, running after him it'd be like walking to a match with your father when you were five straight forward off you and all he's doing but is Grode walking Hegarty, and you're sprinting Grode Hegarty we were talking about uh, Adrian Tutor earlier Grode Hegarty used to play a lot like in the backs when he was younger as well and you know he's 
converted into a really hard-working wing forward, but he's able to score on obviously as well and like I saw him down in Waterford the week before and he's able to get into space and you know oh, look he's really really important to that Limerick forward line and he comes short and he, he's great options and obviously he can hit the ball down top of him as well because he's so strong in the air and look he's getting really consistent in his performance at the moment but uh, very, very very important to Limerick and he it's, it's the likes of his work and I, I'm glad they were actually talking about because it's like his work that create this space inside for Mulcahy and Galan and Peter Casey inside because look he, he's 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 excellent he's another he's a really important cog in that wheel and, but an important point as well is that the Limerick system that does this because if Gerard Hegarty dropped the way he did and he was ignored yeah, yeah. then yeah. they're gone then the, then the opposition's halfbacks will just let him yeah. off yeah. they follow him because yeah. they, have they have to follow to. him you know he's going to get the ball like, exactly yeah, yeah. but that's the system yeah. like I mean if that system's all over the place and Canerkis and doing these walkthroughs and drilling it into them yeah. that they have have to get it and like it's very clear that Limerick are a very well coached side within yeah. their system isn't it oh, it's brilliant, like, yeah, no even Gerard Higgery himself wouldn't make them runs if he, if the ball was just going over his head and his yeah. man was hitting a load of ball he'd do it two or three times if his man was hitting three or four balls he'd have to go back and nearly mark the half back there again you know what I mean yeah. whereas Limerick are, are finding, finding him with the, with the ball as much as possible as well. and then that's where their platform is and as I said previously they don't always go forward. He has to hand pass it back to the likes of Declan Hannon and then sure he's like a quarterback whenever he gets the ball in his hand and uh, he was fantastic there yesterday as well. Yeah, see that makes sense then. Once once Hegarty knows his half back has followed him, throw it to Hannon and he's given yeah. it into space. And then, then. The space it's just, behind it, like. it's a beautiful system. Yeah. It's a well oiled yeah. machine, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It just yeah. really, really is. Um Killian Doyle, uh, Brian got seventeen, he got nine yeah. threes, two sixty fives. He got was it two ten he got against Offaly? He's been shooting the lights out. Imagine. He got one twelve and one eleven, yeah. And I was actually up at the game in Dunlight, I was doing commentary for the now and he gave an exhibition of hurling to be fair to him um, he was absolutely excellent at centre forward um, he actually missed his very first shot and he was disappointed with himself but thereafter he just it's like his radar was in and from again 65 metres out just flick of the wrist and the ball just flew over the bar um, six points from play like in a in what, in the, especially in the first half, it was a real tight game. I thought Westmead were excellent. They brought a huge work rate to the forwards. They played more or less just two inside Alan Devine and, and Robbie Greville, and they worked their arse off. And um, but any opportunity Killing Dyle could get, he just split the post, and he was and he frees obviously. Um, place balls he scored 11 I'd say it was about 11 out of 12 I think I think it was accounted at level out 13 so just brilliant free taking as well and I said it in commentary the other day if this was Patrick Horgan or this was Joe Hanning we'd be all eulogising about how good his performance has been he has been shooting the lights out as you said like he had I think it was 223 going into that game he scored 17 points like you know that's 240 like that's games. some going three forward. games like yeah. like it's at centre forward exactly mm-hmm. like it's it's serious going like and this lad's not not that old either you know so you know, he he's at the top of his game and you can just see he's he's just playing exceptional well and is he is he playing that centre half forward role where he's drifting all over the field like TJ or is he working or what way is it, what way no, does he play working, it? he holds working, it no he holds it more or less yeah no he he get across the lines don't get me wrong he's not not just completely standing in the centre but you know he he is a, a more a traditional style centre forward but he's working hard too he drops deep when he needs to he gets in he gets out it's it's exactly what you want from a centre forward yeah okay brilliant stuff you were down in Parky Keeve uh, JJ with Sky Alan Cadigan 1-2 was he the pick of the bunch or who was impressing you then? again Patrick Organ was, was brilliant again well look we can't listen he, yeah, we, yeah, we have to ban, we're going to have to ban some of these lads <laughs> every <from this>. week <laughs> but uh, I thought um, Mark Holland was brilliant wing back right he's back in brilliant, form brilliant too. on the ball and Dariff is given them two guys uh, especially Dariff is given ran the show again um, they said the other night now he's closest thing to Michael Finley now that is out there at the moment he's tall he's athletic and he's able to score as well um, very economical on the ball there as well um, Seamus Harney was very good there too to be fair but you're probably on the water for say then Bennett's were Bennett brothers yeah. were very, very very good now and they were and throwing fi- in a lot of tackles Stephen finally got his back yeah he got, he got the goal, flick in yeah. he, missed the, he missed the kick there in the first half or I think alright uh, but he had a couple of goal, half goal chances in the first 10 minutes if Waterford had got that it could have been a small bit different but you were expecting what was going to happen and it did in the next in the last 10-15 minutes Cork just pulled away you know but in fairness to Waterford kind of went with the younger lads and they worked very very hard and they're working for each other really more than that and um, Conor Prunty now was kind of caught for the goal but he had a good game overall you know but Cork side now again you're saying but the Cork have a couple of problems as well the full back line wasn't great Bennett's caused a lot of problems in there and yeah. the, when they pulled Caddy out of the full back line bring him out the field 
he wasn't too comfortable either to be fair um, Nigel Leary was didn't have one of his better games to be honest right. um, and he'd played well the last he couple did, of games he did played well the last couple of games but with, with what went up there well, he got opened up in the first five minutes though like, he did yeah. like he had hard like, two yeah. hits in the first half I tell mm. you Willie I thought they'd be one of the talking points by Jesus right. opened see up two of them with yeah. shoulders <laughs> yeah Leary was coming out to ball he <clears throat> poor control but why Jesus uh, Shane Bennett nearly put him into the middle of next week <laughs> and then something similar then I think it was Mark Ellis he he, you know, he got a yellow card for that one um, he caught him in the chest but um, Jesus he was putting his body in the line now two savage hits yeah I think they got 210 out of the total or something did the Bennett brothers yeah, together like I mean good. they probably needed that like because I thought they'd been flattering to deceive even before the game now it's interesting to see even for the Aaron Levine all the Waterford lads went over to the sideline over the party fanning the whole panel were standing at the really? sideline Whereas the Cork guys were obviously at one fifteen, they were in a row looking out at the obviously the flag. But something interesting to see that you probably mightn't have seen off of off camera, like you know what I mean. But they all kind of got a show un- of unity. Yeah, 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 very yeah. good. Which is good, good to see too, you know. Yeah. So, like, I mean, do you think Cork are back? Like, obviously, the in the first game, Fitzgibbon Coleman were very disappointed. Mm. They're for such young lads, they're the heartbeat of the team. Yeah. Lehan came in. Like, will he get back in the next day? Are Cork looking like they're back in good shape? Do you think? Yeah. Or it's hard to tell. It's, it's hard a bit to tell. Of a damn squib it's of a hard game, to tell that it? Saturday, but it has have a couple of questions they have to answer from the other night that they didn't probably thought they didn't have to have they thought they had the full back line settled but yeah. which is probably a good thing going into the, the match next next weekend as well but um, the half back line no problem midfield again no issues there whatsoever the forwards are working very hard and moving very very much around the kind of circles as well and James Hardy was in the studio as well there after the game and he explained it very very well like that he wasn't going to stand toe to toe with Ty the Worker he was going to go out the wing for the puck out and if Ty the Worker was out he's leaving the whole centre free if he doesn't come out then I have an opportunity to score a, a couple of points which he did get off puck outs as well right. so it's going to be interesting to see that way but Aidan Walsh kind of tried hard but didn't do a huge amount now he'll start the next day as well but I, I don't know will he hand come back in now, you know what I mean? Start though, right? but, Jesus. You, but you have your two half hours, Luke Mead, Daniel Carney, they won't Carney they, starts. They will, will they will definitely start. Well Luke Mead definitely start because well. they'll come back down the field. They do the exact yeah. same as the two Limerick half forwards. Then you have Harney centre forward. Cadigan scored probably one two or one three. He starts. Hogan is the so definitely hand versus Walsh then. Yeah. Right. Do you take a score or do you take a guy that's gonna win the ball? And it much brings it takes a lot of pressure off Harney when the ball goes long He's good in the air, so he breaks a lot of ball for the likes of Lehan or Cadigan or Horgan as well. Like so, yeah. Whereas if he's not there, you're relying on James Harry doing every puck out. Yeah. You're looking away. So Jeez, it's, we it's can't, in, we, we it's can't a, let the man that. Uh, sent you packing from wing back to full back. I'm trying to get him off the team now. <laughs> <laughs> Took a long time, but I'm getting him back now. Did, did you know this, Brian? It was Lee Han oh. that sent JJ from wing back. It wasn't a great move by Cody. He had to get rid of uh, JJ off that wing. It was more, it's more my, it was more my legs put me back in full back now, right? People being a bit bit modest there but come here actually on a complete side point did you notice Daniel Kearney went down with cramp again um, his calves were, were cramping up and it was the same in the other and semi final last year now I know he does serious movement and he's all over the place and he never stops running but I wonder is there more to it that is, is he actually carrying a problem with his calf injury or or what is the story there because um, like it, he was going down around the 55th minute like, like there's still a bit of time to go yet and like on Saturday evening so it was interesting from that perspective yeah no definitely was right listen TJ Reid's won this so many times I usually would give it to TJ for that phenomenal performance um, so it's between Carl Mannion and Killian Doyle here lads and I'm, I'm, I'm not I, I go with Killian Doyle I, Killian Doyle, Killian Doyle, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think he People, players like this get enough recognition and in fairness to him I think he's he's been absolutely shit hot for the last three games for Westmead and you know that's why they're in you know they've a, a chance now of making this Joe McDonough Cup so I think he should get it Yeah okay well listen I'll, I'll take your um, I'll take your advice on that Killian Doyle 17 points and 240 in three games Jesus what more do you ha- what more does a man have to do? <laughs> <laughs> There'd be war There'd be war in Westmead hurling if we don't give it to this man so right well done Killian uh, we'll be back I think we're going to do a show on Wednesday this week because we have a live football show in Roscommon on Thursday night more so. football again <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you then good luck well, when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so it opened up we're only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. The 
GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.